There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show and the runaway surprise hit of the podcast season. It's questions from the audience live on podcast from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Timothy Michael McKernan, executive producer, John Seymour. And as always here on the panel for questions from the audience. Uh, look, everybody, it's the Plowhawk and it's Iggy. Uh, gentlemen, hello again, everybody. Oh, hey, I didn't see you sitting over there. Nice. That's a nice ad lib. Morning, Tim. Uh, Iggy, it's great to have you in here. We have wonderful questions from the audience. And uh, and every time, as we say, every time we do one of these, uh, I think internally, the cat, the sea monster, and myself, we were confused by all the work that goes into booking the likes of Dave Peacock, Bill DeWitt, John Mazalock, Isaac Bruce, Clay Travis, Jack Danforth, Gary Pinkle, Keith Kachuk, Tom Stillman, whatever the case might be. And then we do these, and we nitwit around for a half hour, and they get nearly as much traffic, and it makes me look in the mirror as to the whole of the whole damn thing. But it's a tip of the cap to you boys. It's a tip of the cap to you boys. And they're good questions by the audience. We they can't do. give them enough credit for coming up with some really good questions. They do wonderful work, and let's take a look at what we have on the docket here for today's questions from the audience. And I'm just going to go in order. I'm just going to go in order. I'm not going to filter anything. So that could lead to all hell breaking loose like because it. they're still being posted as we start the sode. Besides Howard Stern, who did you listen to during morning drive whilst growing up? Plowboy, who owned the Canton market in the 1990s and 2000s? That's tough because you always had the syndicated Mike and Mike's of the world and things like Is that. Is that what you but, listen to? No, but for me, it was, I think I told the story about nostalgia and why I got into the business was listening to Jim Rome with my dad because he's right. a huge Rome fan. So I think Do you for remember me, hearing Iggy's call? I don't, and that's really disappointing. Around the time when I was listening a lot, too, but I would have to say Jim Rome, not a local guy for myself, obviously, but still, I... I I emulate uh, wh- how I got my into my career because of Jim Rome. So I got to give him credit. Hey, what do you listen to? I'd be curious on this. I don't know. I mean, are we growing up? I mean, because I'm kind of just trying to figure out what the <laughs> age, cousin Brucey, <laughs> what the age group is. You're talking about growing up. Um, you know, because I've been in in radio for 26 years, and I don't really listen to morning radio. Uh, other than right now, I listen to KC. I listen to their morning show. Uh, six o'clock they come on. So I listen until I leave for work. And, um, but there was a girl that I, when I was in the car, I think it is now 93, seven, which is, um, NPR, I think. 937 you did 937 maybe it's 90 or 93 seven's like a country. Maybe station. it's 90, 92.7, whatever, whatever. Um, you were an NPR guy growing up. No, but now it's NPR, but back uh. then it was, it was a jazz station. And I remember the, the, the girl's name, her name was Angela, and I interviewed her for the uh, Suburban Journal. 
I did a sit down with some of the female jocks of St. Louis. And I remember that uh, Angela was there. Uh, Joy Gridnick was there. Uh, a couple other ones were there. I think Jackie McCoy. And, um, but I just remember I, I was into like that smooth jazz type music, like Sade, things like that. And she did the morning show, uh, maybe 10 o'clock on. And I would, if I was in the car, that's what I listened to. I was at home, that's what I would listen to. So it really wasn't a morning show. It was just that happened to be the time of the day that she was on. But I was never into like Bob and Tom and, you know, things like that. So I never really listened to talk radio in the morning. Um, but yeah, I wish I could remember Angela's name. Angela, W-M-R-Y, I think was the name of this. W-M-R-Y. I believe. Well, uh, growing up, I would walk to school at St. Gabriel's. So, how would you walk to school, like from the farm to the, like the schoolhouse? No, like I, I had a, middle house I had a prairie two, and Michael Landon. Yeah, when I lived in the middle of nowhere, we got on the bus at 545 oh, and got dropped no. off at 745. So, we had a oh, two-hour bus no. each way, too. So, we wouldn't get home till 6 o'clock oh, at 9. No. Yeah, so that was rough. But And t- they weren't playing TMA in the bus? No, no. And the buses weren't in great shape either, <laughs> nor were the bus drivers. Um, so when I moved to town, I, I was a block away from the high school. So in high school, I was able to walk to school. But in, in farm country, it was a long, long day. So now. I, yeah, I would walk from St. Gabriel or walk from home to St. Gabriel's. It was like two blocks. Uh, and then I guess the only time I was ever in the car going to school would have been... Um, the time with St. Louis U High, but I was in a carpool, so I wasn't in control of the radio. I do remember Stephen D.C., and I enjoyed Stephen D.C., and they would do the voice and the pranks. That's where I get my, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm probably like, big back then, too. The they would call, show. like, acting like old women, and they were pranking people. I don't know if you can prank anymore. I don't know if that's been, like, regulated out. Yeah, you have to tell people they're on the You have to tell people, like, once they're done, because Howard and Sal, or no, uh, Richard and Sal on the Stern Show, they still do it. Here and there, it seems like. Uh, but that's all I can really recall listening to. I did the sports on that We'd show for a period of time. Stephen D.C.? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Because their studio they was down They were super the st- popular, right? Oh, yeah. Huge. They were down the uh, hall from us um, at our first 590 studio, and Rick Wallace was doing the sports, and they got into an argument with Rick and kicked him out and then came down the hall and said, Iggy, you're doing sports. Oh, wow. You just got <laughs> called on. You got yeah. tapped. Yes, yeah, so I just came in and... I remember because Wallace, they played this upbeat music, and then I would do sports. I was kind of monotone. Yeah, blues lost last night. And they go, we're just going to play violin music for Iggy. So they played <laughs> violin music while I was doing the sports. I, so I don't I don't even know. I think I got turned on to Stern, not from listening to him on the radio, but from the E Entertainment. Oh, yeah. That's that's how I got turned on to it. And, uh, and then the movie, certainly. And then oh, Stern, yeah. yeah, that was like 97. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then I would watch it on E Entertainment Television. And uh, then 105.7 started playing them in the mornings. And so that's how I would listen in driving to, I guess, KFNS, because otherwise I'd be sleeping in on days where I just did TV. So, yeah, it's a good question. I just unfortunately don't have a great answer, but it was more about the circumstances that I wasn't up in the morning where I wasn't in the car. Uh, Cletus wants to know why he can't win a football bet. This is kind of more rhetorical, but Maybe I said we go suck in gambling. <laughs> I mean, I am, I am in a tailspin I'm in a tailspin. Now, we're doing this uh, still during the football season. When it airs, it probably will be over. But either way, I'm in a, at a tailspin. And I don't know. I, I think if you look at the NFL playoffs, I think the vast majority have been underdog covers. And so I imagine a lot of people who have been betting uh, have lost uh, because the underdogs have been covering. 
what was your favorite sport growing up and your best slash proudest moment in said sport? Plowhawk, what do you have on this? My favorite sport growing up, seeing as we didn't have hockey or soccer or anything like that, I'll have to eliminate those. I actually was a huge fan of basketball. I was too small for football. Was it football. like Hickory? Was it like Hickory at Indiana? It was similar to that. Um, basically, the coaching went the exact same. Ten passes, shoot from the. Hackman, it was Norman it was Dale. pretty the most basic, boring basket brand of basketball you ever see in Canton. But uh, growing up, it was an AAU. I guess it was AYB. It wasn't considered AAU. This was like traveling basketball summer style before AAU. You could do AAU. I think I was like eight or nine years old. And I scored 25 points against Sean Livingston's bunch, who is now winning rings in Golden State. You played against Sean Livingston? Yeah. You played against Sean Livingston? Played against Sean Livingston. Because we're three years apart, age-wise. And so I got to play against him and Daniel Ruffin, who was a great, great Bradley Braves basketball player, plays overseas now. They had a huge—they beat us by 30. Did you shut Livingston down? I like to say that I guarded him, but he was still ridiculously tall, even for that age. I did not guard him. So I didn't actually shut him down, or he wasn't guarding me. But it's nicer to say that I scored 25 points against nice. an NBA champion. So it was nice. Hey, what do you got? St. Mary Magdalene? The Chargers? <laughs> Are you the Chargers? The Brentwood version? I don't even know what our name was. Mm. Um, mm. I didn't have a favorite, I don't think, because I played every sport growing up, depending on the season. Um, but we did play baseball but we tied that in you know if we weren't playing baseball we played indian ball if we weren't playing indian ball we played fuzzball um so i would say baseball i just i loved baseball i played all through grade school and uh high school and just loved baseball but probably my and the proudest moment uh is bowling got some 300s in your belt yeah but the proudest <laughs> moment was it's is i liked when my dad put our Strode team together it was me, my two brothers, and my dad. Uh, so, like the whole Strode boy boys were bowling together, and I always look forward to that. And then my dad passed away uh, in the middle of the year, and we won the first half. And then my dad passed away, and then the first half champions bowl the second half champions for the title, and we were in the title match. We won the first game; they won the second game came down to I needed to strike out in the 10th frame of the last game to win the championship. And I threw the first one. Then I threw the second one. I just stopped and I looked up and I said, Dad, this one's for you. And I just buried that fucker. Wow. Um, we won the championship by two pins. So that's, that was, wow. that's my proudest moment because that was for my dad and for us Strode boys to keep the team going for the second half. That's a good story. And to it's win the championship to, by to, that. And so. your ability to tell a bowling story and actually... <laughs> Make it captivating. Yeah. I took that my cap. That's my proudest moment because it was for him, and it was just kind of cool that all my brothers were there, and we all participated in winning the championship for my dad. Yeah. My delusions of grandeur uh, really uh, began at a young age and didn't uh, get extinguished until high school, which is really horrific. But I was convinced I was going to play for the Cardinals throughout all of my grade school and even early high school years, which is something. And then when you get cut from the freshman team, you kind of go, hold on a second, maybe this isn't going to work out. Uh, and then you then you hold on to the Michael Jordan was cut from his freshman basketball team thing to carry you through. There you go. Uh, but uh, still, it doesn't look like it's going to work out. But you never know. Uh, but my and I so I loved baseball. But surprisingly, considering I'm five one, I was probably best at basketball, and I loved playing it. And as mm -hmm. we joke about on TMA, for whatever reason, 
and now that I can look back on it and I'm separate, separated from it uh, in the sense that I don't live in the neighborhood anymore, St. Gabriel's in grade school basketball, it's a huge deal. I recognize to the outsider, it's got to be the strangest damn thing in the world. You know, yeah. it's like Anna Marie will come down, you know, she grew up in Chesterfield and we'll go to the school picnic and she'll go, what in the hell is the deal with this school picnic? Like, you don't even know where I went to grade school or elementary school. Uh, and and then and then there's guys who don't have kids on the team, but they're coaching and they've got their names on banners in your <laughs> gym. Like, what is going on? And I recognize, but for us, it's a huge thing. And it's so weird to have something that's kind of your own in St. Louis, which is kind of this small, big town or big, small town, whatever it is. But it is a big deal. And our team was good. It wasn't by any means one of the best St. Gabriel's teams because there have been some really good ones. But we were down by like 24 going into the fourth quarter. And I went into the Reggie Miller at Madison Square Garden zone where everything I threw up went in and I hit six threes in a quarter. And, uh, but we want, we still wound up losing by three. It's as good as it's ever been for me. And, uh, and I don't know how to explain it because it's not, you know, I mean, I'm in eighth grade, so it's not like I'm, well, look at me now. I would have had to have shrunk. So, I mean, even if, even if I were this size in eighth grade, uh, it would have, would have not been tall, much less what's whatever size I would have been in eighth grade. I did shoot pretty decently, but to hit six threes in one quarter was, uh, yeah was insane. I love how me and you, both of our stories, we lose. Yeah, we still lose, <laughs> even though it's as good as it, as good as it got. My, yeah. St. James, Sums the greater little shamrock tournament. Uh, my yeah, story, that, we won. Yeah, and you, and, yeah, and you did it for your father, yeah. of all things. So that's I averaged 27 points uh, a game in intramurals at Brentwood High School. Oh, wow. Wow, you must have been able to ball at them all. I, kick, I got kicked off the basketball team, so we joined the intramural team. But see, I wrote all the articles for the Brentwood Eagleette. And when I wrote the article on the intramural, I said, intramural is blowing up at Brentwood. And I was quoting myself, even though I'm doing the article, league's high scorer, Iggy Strode, who averages 27.2 a game, said, this is really great oh, nice. bounding itself. I'm actually doing my own quotes. Oh, man. I, and I probably averaged like 12 a game, but I put 27.2 in there. I guess with the same as the St. Gabe's uh, thing, church league basketball is huge in Canton. Is it really? Huge. And so me and my stoner buddies... Uh, you know, joined a, join, Oh yeah, we joined a team and got to the championship game. Our team name was the Burning Bushes, nice. and our we like actually spent good money on these T-shirts to make it look like we were smoking weed. It was really funny in a church league <laughs> tournament. Great. They didn't catch on to the. I don't think they cared at the, the time. Reference. We paid our fee. Uh, do you think Stevie Wonder can really see? Thanks, it's from Chrissy Runner Girl. I believe he is blind. I don't... I mean, I've never met Stevie Nicks. He's never taken off his glasses. Stevie Wonder. I mean, everything goes back to. I, we, I don't think we can call a podcast without you bringing up. Stevie I have. Nicks. I have met Stevie Nicks. Uh, I've never met Stevie Wonder, so I don't know if he'd like take off his glasses and say, "Dude, I like that hair. It's looking good." I mean, I don't believe he can see, or else uh, why would you fake not seeing for sixty years? So I didn't know there was a conspiracy theory attached to Stevie Wonder's sight. But... I think somebody saw him at an airport and they took a picture of him looking at his phone. <laughs> said, Look, he really can see. He's looking at his phone. Uh, I, I, I don't think he can, but I, I'm not following it. I just said I would answer the questions chronologically so as to not filter anything. So anybody who knew they have asked uh, knows that their question will be answered. Now you can go to work tomorrow, Chrissy, and tell everybody at work that we answered one of your questions. <laughs> Please support the sponsors. When it gets down to it, it is a business, and we are lucky to have the caliber of sponsors that we have in addition to the caliber of guests that we've had. And James Carlton of the James Carlton Agency is one that I ask you to support. Because I know this, everybody's got to have insurance. 
So if you got to do it, do it with somebody who not only is a supporter of the show, but also somebody who receives awards for the caliber of service he and his staff provide at the James Carlton Agency. James Carlton, the State Farm agent. 90% of homeowners in Missouri escrow their premium with their mortgage and have no idea what they're paying or what they're covered for. Call James today to protect your biggest asset. In fact, go to his website right now and go check them out at carltoninsurance.net. Call James, 314-961-4800. Call James, and he very well can get you better coverage and start saving you money. In fact, he often can include $100,000 in life insurance without even increasing your payment. The switch is easy. They do all the paperwork for you. Just takes one phone call or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. People do business with James because they like him and they trust him. He is local and he has established himself as one of the best in the business. James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent. Did you think the NFL is fixed for betting purposes? Uh, that's from Chris. Uh, I would. It's hard to say no when you're watching some of these games, but then you kind of think about the logistics and how that would even go about. What would you have the refs in on the deal? How do you get other teams to choke in those certain situations? So maybe not a win-loss conspiracy, but I do think the refs know the money line and the betting line is what I'm thinking. But I don't know logistically how you would be able to fix a game outside of the players being in on it. So as much as I want to bash the NFL and say, yes, all these games are fixed, it's hard to me to process how that would even go about. Yeah, I mean, I can't add more than plausibly because that's basically it. Now, NBA, maybe back when you had two refs, it's easier because yeah. you have one ref that is calling a majority of the game that could probably hedge a call here or there, call some fouls that weren't. Um, even then, I mean, what are you going to do if a player goes off for 50, you know, and they're up by 20, even though you're calling fouls to try and get the spread down? But the NFL, you have what, seven refs out there? You'd all have to get together. You'd have to say, okay, I bet this. So we're going to need to keep this under 10. Well, how do you, I mean, you would have to make so many phantom calls. If, say, a quarterback was hot and just kept throwing gain of 40, gain of 30, first and goal, uh, we got to make some calls here. They're going to score again. I mean, it's virtually impossible for a group of referees and officials to throw a game, to all be in on it, where you wouldn't be able to tell. You may try to keep a game close. That's why I said they might know the betting line, and maybe that maybe that's a little bit of it, but to have a win-loss scenario be determined on the NFL would be now over and under I mean maybe you couldn't be able to tell yeah. I mean if you had the underline and you know somebody scores the touchdown there's a holding call I mean there's you can call holding Hold on every play yeah. so now, oh he wasn't holding look at that nobody's gonna look at that so okay call that touchdown back I got the underline and you could probably finagle it that way but the outcome of a game I don't think there's any way that a group of officials could do that pragmatically I'd be surprised just because of so many parts being involved and it not getting out. Um, I will say what I say on the radio often, which is I don't understand how or why the percentage of times where the public is on one team and the spread seems just so obvious that it doesn't go that way seems to be so, so drastic. It's just it's a it's a beyond odd thing, and and in these games are maybe once a month or twice a month, so it's not like they're every week. But you go, oh my God, how are so and so only favored by so, you know some small number? 
and then everybody bets that team and they don't cover. It's it's a strange thing to me, and I've been observing it for a couple of decades. Um, so that is odd to me. And you know, like I said, this isn't just like yeah, remember that one game? This is a, a huge amount of games, but it doesn't work that way in college football. Uh, and I would think if you're going to mess with a game where there's going to be gambling, you'd want it to be as off to the side as possible. Like when there have been gambling scandals in college basketball, for example, recently they weren't like with Duke, you know, I mean, they're kind of like these random games. It doesn't matter if it's a big game, as long as you can, you don't give a damn where you're going to double your money. There's a huge difference between that betting line and saying, oh, well, the NFL rigged it so the Patriots could get to the Super Bowl. That to me, that's, that's all majority on the players. And I couldn't see how you could possibly get the, the Patriot to come back and win that game like they did. I just don't get that. And in your scenario where you talk about it's obvious that this spread makes no sense, everybody's on this side, and then it goes the other way. In that scenario, Vegas would have to get the officials of that game at last minute. Hey, mm-hmm. they're loading up on this game, not knowing who the officials are. We need you guys to try and throw this game for us because we got a ton of money this way. You know, you wouldn't know who the officials are. You'd have to do it last minute. And in that case, you'd have to have, like, every official in on the take just in case they're doing that game that they need to get. You know what I'm saying? And if the juice worth the squeeze, because if that story comes out, the NFL already has a bad enough PR. I mean, you're talking, a, you know, maybe ending the league-type scandal. So I, it'd be hard for me to think that would be worth it for the NFL to rig Now, do bookies games. and gangsters get a hold of uh, young yeah. basketball players to— Hey, you don't got to lose the game, but you guys are fifteen point favorites. I need you to miss a few shots here, and you know it's worth ten thousand to you. I don't know for sure, but I would guess that happens more than you would think. Uh, next question: uh, What was your favorite concert you have attended, Plowhawk? I think mine. It, I do love the band, but it was more the venue as well. Modest Mouse um, six years ago played in this room. It was a last minute concert. Sometimes they would. Because me and my sister follow Modest Mouse and are, you know, are in their Instagram and they messaged their Instagram followers that they were having a private concert in Chicago. Just this little, you know, two, three hundred, four hundred person little amphitheater. And it was unbelievable. They played four encore. They played for three and a half hours. It was I mean, it's not a big name, but as far as for me, I love the band and the atmosphere driving up to Chicago last minute to see them. I think all that together, definitely the best concert I've been to for sure. I've been to so many concerts. <laughs> I'm gonna say Iggy, you got life. me trumped on this one. Um, well, I mean, our age difference. I mean, I'm talking about True. the Rolling Stones, Queen. <laughs> um, you know, so many good bands I've seen. Um, but I've said this for a long time because people ask me this question, and I've never changed. And it's two bands that probably I guarantee you neither of you have ever heard of. I saw Renaissance and the Straubs at the. It was either the Fox or the American Theater. Um. I think it was senior year in high school, and Connie Lasseter had broken up with me. And I took Connie. Connie Lasseter, brother. I took took Connie to this concert. Um, It might have been the first time I saw pot, because she stopped to get pot on the way. And she came out with a bag of pot. And I said, what is that? She goes, we got some pot for the concert. I go, I thought they came in like little cigarette things. (laughs) Nice. I I was so naive. I thought she just kind of rolled them up. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, to me, because those were two of my favorite bands. And Renaissance has Annie Haslam, who I said is my number one female vocalist of all time, and the Straubs. And we were like, I don't know, eighth row, sitting in the luxury of the Fox Theater. And 
I was with the girl who broke up with me, and I was out, out on a date with her, but uh, just one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And if, you, if you've never heard those bands, go Google Renaissance and Straubs, listen to some of their music. Just good kind of rock, mellow, mellow rock kind of music, but it's uh, good stuff. So that and probably either Fleetwood Mac or Gaga would be two and three. Uh, Jay-Z, Kanye West, no, uh, Las Vegas, December 2011. Yeah, you said that before. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one. It was just, I mean, it was just nonstop, incredible energy. Uh, did N-bombs in Paris, I think, 11 times in a row at the end of the show. No way. Yeah, it just kept going. Different Good versions. Again! <laughs> but Hove would say, man, he'd say, again! Uh, so that was, that, that for me is the best. I'm trying to think best I've gone to in St. Louis. I really like Stapleton. I had a good time at Lou Fest, uh, not in 17, but in 16. It was just a good vibe, perfect weather. I mean, it was muddy from like the day before, but it was just a good vibe. Band of Horses, Stapleton, can't remember who else, but that was cool. So it was, it's more about the vibe and the energy. Uh, although, you know, if you feel like a performer's going outside of, you know, I guess I used to, growing up, I was not growing up, even like in my 20s and 30s, I was a fan of U2. And for whatever reason, I don't know what's happened. I mean, I know it's in vogue, like when a band gets super popular, the contrarian guy, it's like when somebody says, oh, this restaurant's great. No, it's not super overrated. But, you know, it's like, I like what I like, you you like, whatever. As producer Joe says, some people like some things, some people like other things. But I don't know, I think when you 2 like, had the music all go to iTunes and people didn't download it. People yeah. got annoyed. I swear that was And my, I'm just yeah. like, ever since then, and it wasn't a conscious thing, I'm like, oh, I'm out. I'm just like, oh, they're coming to St. Louis? I don't really want to go. You know, and oh, we're going to be in this city when they're going to be performing. I don't really want to go. So I don't know. I'm kind of off them. But there have been shows that they've performed in Vegas uh, that I can think of, actually. I'm like, man, what a great night. But I, I don't have it there anymore. So I go Kanye and I go uh, Jay-Z together at the MGM Garden Arena at the MGM Grand. And I'll correct myself because it was so long ago, but I was just kind of reminiscing. Connie Lasseter broke up with me my freshman year. Okay, so we're going to get a clarification on that. <clears> so that concert, that concert would have been the sophomore year because people will probably go back and start making phone calls to Brentwood and ask when I broke up with Connie and figure it out. So. <laughs> That's somebody's on the record, look, of course. Somebody's going to look into it? Yeah, I'll correct myself. that uh, must, It had to be my sophomore year because we broke up my freshman year. Is there any job that could get you to leave the show and leave St. Louis? Is there any? That comes from the great Matt Graves. Yeah, I'll let you go first on this one. Um, bah, bah, bah. I don't know, porn director, maybe? <laughs> You're looking to go to the valley again. Yeah, it's good. Well, how, how tough can it be to direct porn? Lift your leg more. That's a Cut, shot of my, print, that's, let's that's have a shot lunch. Of my boy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, Although he says it's super easy. No shot at Greg Lansky or Jules Jordan, but I'm sure there's the something that goes do. into the it. The work they do. Yes. Um... I don't know. It was, there was a time that I almost quit, but the money wasn't good enough for me to quit. <clears throat> uh, but extra frame. Like this, this show or in previous radio? Uh, no, nah, it wasn't this show. There's nothing that can get me to quit this show. Um, cause I have too much fun. And to me, money's not everything. I'd like to make a little more, but um, money's not everything. You have to have fun what you're doing. And I look forward to getting up every morning and doing this. Um, but the PBA, <clears throat> excuse me, started... Uh, an online service called Extra Frame where you could watch the early rounds of a tournament uh, streaming and then some of the ones that weren't on ESPN they would cover. And they asked me to do it. And I thought about it because the money wasn't that great, but travel expenses, 
hotel expenses, you know, so everything was paid. And I just had to go talk bowling for, you know, four or five days during the tournament. But it wasn't a ton of money, so I turned it down. But and now I wish I would have because right now they're carrying almost every tournament. I mean, these guys are going all over the country now covering tournaments. So that would have been nice to go to Japan and Singapore and Australia and New Zealand and all these places to cover bowling. But at the time, it wasn't uh, enough money. But I did think about it for a minute to go do bowling. But there's not anything. I, can, I mean, sure, if somebody wants to offer me a job that's, hey, because you want to come out here and just uh, all we need you to do is, like, uh, you know, clean Lady Gaga's pool and trim the hedges for 200 grand a year. See ya. Where? When do I start? Nice. Shrub trimming. Good shrub trimming is good. She don't have shrubs, but her... I think for me, house. Yep. for me to leave, and I agree with Iggy, it's not necessary about the money. This one wouldn't be about the money either, although I would be making a lot of it. I love farming and I love weed, and my, those are my two passions. I mean, I grew up with both almost. And I, I, I think being owning your own weed farm or being able to harvest weed and give the or, and supply it to medical marijuana or legal legal shops in you know California, Colorado, things like that. I think that would kind of mix and blend my two. My hobbies really was farming and now smoking weed and knowing more about weed and the medical side of it. I think that would be kind of a privilege for me to get up every day and do that. But it would be hard pressed for me to leave the show outside of a job like that. Because I like to say, Doug makes a good point on the show about St. Louis. It, it really is a good family area, you know, in some of the counties and it's very reasonably priced. You know, you have your sporting events here. And so it, it's a good place to live. So it'd be hard for me to go out without a significant increase in money because some places are expensive. Yeah, I would. Uh, it, it, but but there's so many factors. So it's yeah. like, so like to, to, the answer, to, to say no would be disingenuous. Is it likely? The answer is no. Um, but it's, it's certainly something that, you know, with the right circumstances, I would. I think the thing that would be holding me back most, outside of the fact that I love doing the show, um, but realistically... This show, I mean, it's not going to have the same cast for a whole lot longer, realistically. I'm not saying like a year or two. I mean, who knows? But, uh, you know, you, so you just got to you got to think bigger picture. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I would stop doing radio, you know, if and when Doug uh, decides to retire and if and when the cat decides to retire. And whenever that time comes and assuming we're still doing the show, allow me to promise each one of you who weren't around in 2006 when Martin left the show, that you'll hear that the show is over. Uh, and as you can now see, 12 years later, the show is not over. <laughs> but that just be prepared for that when that happens. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the biggest factor for me is family, you know. And, I, and, I, and I'm not just talking about the fact that my parents are here and Anna Marie's parents are here and my two brothers and my sister are here. Anna Marie's an only child. Uh, it's also like the people on the show, uh, and it's also my close friends. And I just think, you know, like we're about to now when this airs, I will already be down in Florida, assuming nothing changes. We're about to live down there for two months. I've never done that before outside of when I lived, obviously University of Missouri, that's a different situation. Uh, I lived in Little Rock for eight months for my first TV job. Which is similar to the Florida area. You know, it you is. Little same, Rock same and Palm people, Beach are, same, are yeah. essentially the same kind of uh, deal. But, you know, I, I'm anxious to see how we actually like that. Now, Anna Marie's parents are going to come down for probably about a month. Uh, and my parents are going to come down for a couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, I mean, I won't. And I'll be on the show with everybody, but I'll just 
hear you guys. And uh, and then, you know, the people I hang out with, play golf with, drink with, whatever the case might be, I won't see them for a couple months. And that's kind of weird. So I'm looking forward to it in the sense that we've always talked about doing it and that we can do it with our families, which is really the main reason why I'm doing it, because who knows when we'll ever get that opportunity to do it again. Uh, and they can spend time with their grandson, which is a super cool thing. Uh, and I think I feel like it's the kind of thing that in like 10 or 20 years when that opportunity is not there, uh, or even five years when that opportunity is not there because he's in school, I'd go, God, wouldn't it have been nice you know, when I had the chance and I actually had the chance and I had it in my contract that I could go live in Florida and still do the show, uh, live wherever, I guess, but spring training in particular, that I did that and it would have meant something to my wife's parents and to my parents. So that's the reason. Uh, but that it'll be weird to, to kind of not have all these people who I grew up with. I mean, I'm still friends with the people I grew up with in grade school and in high school. Really, those are my closest friends. Uh, so I don't know on that, but, you know, if there's an opportunity career-wise, and I don't know what that would be, I would, I would legitimately... Uh, I would legit, I would legitimately consider it, but it would have to be, you know, I mean, hell, I've got a track record of saying no to opportunities. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so, uh, you know, I'm not just saying it, but yeah, I also, you know, I would, con- I would consider it. So, um, yeah, but I, the way that, that, that I, I mean, I just, I love doing this show, love the people with whom I work and love the fact that our parents are here and my brothers and sister are here. And my close friends for, you know, going back to the 1980s and 90s are still the people I see and hang out with a decent amount. So, and I do, I do, I do have a uh, great affection for St. Louis. I'm concerned about it. Um, I don't know if when this airs, the Tom Stillman interview will have aired, but uh, as the Sea Monster will be able to attest to, he was certainly uh, critical, but in a way of not like, shitting on it but going we gotta we gotta turn this around and i think it's i I feel like sometimes when you are critical it's insinuated to be oh you don't like it i think you're critical about what you care about you know like if somebody like says what do you think of kansas city for example i don't know it seems like it's trending up but i don't really pay attention because i don't really care that much i pay attention to st louis because i do care about it but i but clearly there need to be some improvements and that trickles down to social. That's not just political. That's not just being frustrated by whatever element it is that frustrates you. Uh, because if it isn't a desirable place to live or perceived to be that way by 20-somethings, then that, then, then that impacts a variety of different elements. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, that's my long-winded way to say, yes, I would, but it's, it's something I also would consider Unlikely. There it is, another edition of questions from the audience in the books from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Are you in the market to buy a home? Are you in the market to refinance a home? If you are, please make sure you go to the HomeLoanExpert.com. That's Ryan Kelly's website. He is the studio sponsor of this show. And all you got to do is go to the website and you can enter in your information and see how much they can save you and they can. And I can tell you this. My family has done business with thehomeloanexpert.com, and I would do business with thehomeloanexpert.com when the time comes for us to get a home or for us to refinance. There's only one place I'm going. It's thehomeloanexpert.com. If you like all the interviews on this show, if you like the questions from the audience, I can't imagine you enjoy picking and groaning, but if you enjoy two of the three, please make sure you support our sponsors, thehomeloanexpert.com, our studio sponsors, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance, And, of course, Triad Bank and Gateway Buick GMC. For 
Plowhawk for Iggy, for executive producer John Seymour. I'm Tim McKernan. Thanks for listening to another edition of The Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.